So here we are starting Colossians. This is the third book of a triad. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I'm going to pick on David to read first because... Just out of curiosity, what is it that sets these ones apart? Why isn't this the fourth one out of a quatrad that includes Galatians? Um, Oh, Galatians. I forgot Galatians. I see Galatians as somewhat distinct because he has a specific goal in mind to reach with Galatians. He wants to expound on the nature of the law, why the law. He wants to expound on why the law cannot save us, and so on. Um, whereas in Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, these are more like pastoral letters or sermons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that's why I see them as a little different. Anyways, you wanted me to read what? Yeah, read um, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Alrighty. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We will. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and growing. So among yourselves from the day you heard and understood the grace of God in truth, as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Anything on this? It's it's a, one of Paul's typical ways of starting letters, mentioning people, uh, talking about. It's sort of like he's trying to knit together all his various epistles by some of his comments in this letter. He, remind, he reminds them of past understandings and, and messages that he's written. The true gospel message usually uh paul in the introduction here when he's giving his thanksgivings he's kind of like putting the key ideas into a nutshell Mm -hmm. of what he's going to be expounding upon uh in his letter um and i think it's also significant here that he notes that it's actually epaphras who has founded the church at colossi it's not paul so he's not writing to his own personal converts. And so that always, you know, not makes it difficult, but, you know, in the other letters he says, you know, I'm a father to you, I'm a mother to you, and, and follow me. And, and, and in the letters where he doesn't found them, he, he's just he's trying to establish this relationship, but it's, uh, it's slightly different. Uh, so we're going to see that in this letter. Mm-hmm. I always love how he's very encouraging and just really focuses on. 
And he, he always tries to elevate the other person, even though mm -hmm. he's an apostle and they're not. He says, fellow slave. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and just exactly what he means by that, I'm not sure, except that he probably means a slave of, of Christ. Mm -hmm. Since that's often how he uses that term. Which does, he doesn't elevate himself, you know, it's like we're no. in this together, the co-travelers, you know, in this journey of exactly of spirituality and getting to know God more and how that can transform us. Yeah. I think one of the persons I, I know that seemed to exemplify that uh, so well was Lou Vanden. He was a uh, pastor of the PUC church for a few years and before that, when I was getting my master's at Loma Linda, he was my pastor at the Loma Linda University Church. And I remember him, he hated hierarchy. <laughs> he was very opposed to it. And I remember him saying that a sermon is one beggar telling another where to find bread. Mm -hmm. That's how he talked about that. Okay, why don't we move on to the next paragraph, and this one is verses 9 to 14. So, uh, Katrina, would you read that, please? For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is similar to his prayer in Ephesians. It's, Ephesians stresses more the love of God, and it's a little shorter than this prayer, but it, it has that same style of what Paul is praying for. I just love all the, I mean, to me, it's so encouraging to hear stuff like you ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. I mean, those are things that I need, <laughs> you know, and like, and, and it just, it, it just really encourages me to like know that, God is the one who is filled with wisdom and understanding and, and we can experience that. Mm -hmm. And, and like growing as you learn to know God better and better and producing good fruit and strengthened with his glorious power. So you'll have endurance and patience. I mean, those are all the things that I need like every single day. Like it's so practical and so like real, like God, this is what I need right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, yeah, it's just super encouraging to know that, to be reminded, basically, to always come so, like, like a foundation of just always coming back to that. So I have a question, and it has a story behind it. How do you know when you're getting wisdom from God or you're just giving your own wisdom? Um, and, and the story behind it is I, um, 
mentioned to someone on campus that I was retiring early and oh no I I communicated with someone on campus about a student and the person responded by saying I hear you're retiring are does that mean congratulations are in order and uh, so I began explaining to her how I had made the decision to retire and it involved God speaking to me she said how do you know God was speaking to you I think one way that I discern that has to do with like when I talk to my husband about different things that I need to like figure out if at the end of the conversation I feel less burdened or it's not a burden or like I feel like oh okay that's that works for me like because God isn't a God of like he says my yoke is easy mm -hmm. and so I'm like okay that conversation was spirit filled so that I don't feel the burden mm -hmm. of having either to figure it out or we did kind of figure it out in some way or it gave an explanation to to whatever the, the issue was that like oh okay I can like let that go or oh okay let's just continue living now like I don't have to stay stuck on it and so I think that's a form of understanding and wisdom to work through things that is God filled because if I'm more burdened at the end or, or whatever, then, well, I, I don't know. I just kind of. Then you haven't seen the light. Yeah. 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 So I've heard other people express it as uh, making a decision, having peace about it. Yes. I did that one time. I made a decision yeah. and I had peace and God intercepted that decision and said, no. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. And, and um, I, it's very personal, so I can't yeah. tell you the details, but that's one way I know that God is talking to me is if I make a decision, decision he doesn't want, mm -hmm. he usually shows up and makes it very clear yeah. that okay. it's not that decision at all. Even though um, you had peace afterwards with the decision you made. Afterwards. So peace is, as alone is not yeah. the only yeah. um factor but i think it is a factor many times mm -hmm. and and i think it's this is a very individual matter mm -hmm. don't you yeah I, um, do. I i think that it varies from person to person uh, i for me when god make, has gives me an impression of something he's usually very succinct and very clear and in my case it was a uh, this was the thing about retirement wasn't about sitting in my lazy chair and and chilling out it was about something specific that he wanted me to do and and so it and it made sense with everything I, I was deeply frustrated because I couldn't do this thing because teaching took everything from me mm -hmm. and and I was just in my parents you know situation and everything I had no time to do it and and I was deeply, deeply frustrated. And that frustration was building and building and building till I was almost at the screaming point. <laughs> it's just, I have to do this and I can't. And, and I know now that that was God preparing me for something that I would not have chosen as the way out. So uh, anybody else on how God makes his will known? Well, one thing that kind of, I think, sometimes I think it's a false 
idea some that that at every decision point there's one right and wrong one wrong answer uh, and then we better make sure we get the right one I think in many decision points it's just there are two different options and there are plus and minuses to this one there are pluses and minuses to this one and that that we have you know that God has given us you know an ability to evaluate things and to look and say okay this is where I think I want to go and that then he'll work with whichever way we end up going. And now there are some things where there truly is a, a right and a wrong way to go. But I think in a lot of things, we've turned it into this kind of a, a false yes, no kind of situation. But like you said, Gene, one of the things is when I've come to these things where I don't see any clear leading one way or the other, then I'll say, okay, God, I've gone through it. I think this is the best option, but if you'd rather I go the other way, then I'm starting down this road, but stop me. As far as how to hear God's voice, I mean, part of it has to do with it's recognizing a voice you or a, it's not even usually a voice, but just uh, it's more difficult when it's the first time. But that over time, if you, if, when you hear and you listen, it becomes more and more. I just like, you know, that there are some people when I answer the phone and I hear their voice, I immediately know who it is. They don't have to say who it is just because I recognize the voice, the, the cadence, the, the word structure, that type of thing. And that, and so that the, the more you listen and, and follow God, the more you recognize that, okay, that was, okay, that was God talking. Um, anyway, what Katrina was mentioning was just like, a couple weeks ago, there were a couple things that she was wanting me to pick up, and there's a particular type of, uh, of toilet paper that, that she specifically uh, likes because it doesn't have the, the chlorine bleach uh, in it. And, uh, but we, I'd been looking around. I hadn't been uh, finding toilet paper anywhere. Uh, and I'd um, gone to about four or five different places down in Napa uh, everybody was out anyway. And as I was heading home, there was one other thing I was looking for that had to do for, for painting supplies. And, uh, as I was heading home, I got this, just this, this thought that came to my mind saying, you need to stop at Steve's hardware, uh, to look for this painting thing. And I said, well, but the, but they're, it's Ace Hardware. It's the same as the one here in Calistoga. I already went to the one in Calistoga. They don't carry that. Why would Steve's, which is the same chain, have it when they don't? And so, but it just said, no, stop. And so I, okay. So I'll, you know, I, so I pulled and I stopped and I went in and they didn't have the painting thing, but they had toilet paper. And, and, not, and, and not only that, but it was the unbleached chlorine sort of thing that nobody else, uh, you know, had, you couldn't even order it online. Um, and they, and they had like eight packets of it and it was one per, you know, per person. And so I, I bought one and anyway, and then I went back by my way into work the next morning. I stopped to see if they still had some so I could get one more and they were completely sold out. But Anyway, so in, you know, in that situation, it wasn't a voice, but it was just this thing, just saying, "You need to do this." And this is what I call persistent it little thing. And it was something that uh, it was in times past when the similar 
type things have happened. When I've done it, I've been happy. When I when I haven't, then afterwards, I recognize that that had been a mistake. And so, and so because that prompting fit the same profile as the ones before, it was like this is okay. This is the same voice. And I guess the 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 one other thing in all of this, as far as being able to tell, is that you know when it's coming from God, it's it's always something that's beneficial, that is useful, that is uplifting, empowering, or um, you know, uplifting in, in some way or another, as opposed to, uh, and even when it's saying you messed up, it's not saying you're a horrible person, you're, you're going to hell because you did this. That's not God's voice. There's right. another voice that says that, yes. but, um, but that is clearly not uh, coming from God. And that there, it's always redemptive, even when it's saying, you know, that you shouldn't have done that. Um, you know, um, when I was, when after my conversion experience, when I was 14, I, I really lived my life the way most most ways the way I thought God wanted me to in, in the way that I thought was best. And I didn't really consult God and I didn't really ask him for guidance. <clears throat> and then when I decided not to do theology and to do journalism instead and came to PUC with that, he let me go for about a year. And then when it became my sophomore year, he uh, really got in my face and said, theology is what I want you to do. Um, and that's when I became very aware of interactions with God and, and a, a very strong sequence of events that led to his calling me to be a theologian. And so consequently, I have never been in a situation where I had more than one option available. <laughs> and I know other people do have those situations, but I, I seem to be uh, a little more in a, in a straight line um, where God wants me to be. In fact, I, I was going to write a different book um, two summers ago. Uh, I had it all planned out. I was going to write it. I had been writing it. It was uh, nearly, the rough draft was nearly done. And I got intercepted by a very strong impression that I should write the book I'm now writing, or I shouldn't say I'm writing, I haven't written it yet, but uh, that I should should do this other book. And uh, I was like, uh, whoa, okay. <laughs> and I, that has been consistent. There's been no deviation from it, you know. I So that's kind of been my journey. But But I recognize there's a lot more latitude out there with some anything well, else in although in, as a woman in theology certainly within the Adventist church having one option to go down is <laughs> can be, <laughs> that's actually true. a pretty big deal uh, yeah that's true i've often wondered why god not only called me but actually anointed me for that which was pretty dramatic um i've, I've never understood why he, um, he didn't just call me, but he went through this process. And the only thing I could think of is because I've had a lot of detours. <laughs> Maybe not a lot, but I've had one specific detour where I worked in the records office for 
eight years uh, instead of in theology. And it was pretty depressing time because I wanted to be in the, the religion department. And so having that as my background was reassuring that God still had a plan for my life. Um, anything else from this passage? I guess the part that can be a little frustrating for me is the whole thing when you said about how do you know if it's God's wisdom or that sort of thing is that sometimes I have like a real ant question at this moment in time that I need specific direction and not feeling like I'm getting it right then and there. And like this whole thing of having to live out your life and maybe the understanding of it will come later. It's like, but I needed it right then. <laughs> or, you know, so that can be a little, um, I'm not sure if I'm still needing to learn to listen that he does give direction right then and there. Like, cause Jesus always said about how he would go off to a small, you know, to know how to live out his life that day to get direction from the father mm-hmm. as to was he going to heal anybody that day or not, you know? And so I would love to get, learn that how Jesus lived his life. Jesus had to pray a long time, usually. A long time. And so I, I find that a little, okay, how does that apply to me today? Because I kind of feel like Jesus only had one role. And I have like role of mother and wife and I'm a worker, you know. You know, we all have lots of roles nowadays, you know, our profession and just all these things. And it's like, hmm, how does this apply to me to be able to learn it's like, yeah, I spend my time in the morning, but, you know, I can't be spending all night and hours because I won't function with my other roles. <laughs> you know, so, so kind of figuring that out um, is... I don't know if this helps at all, Susan, so, so don't listen in, in the sense that I'm trying to tell you what to think about. I just, this is my own experience. Sometimes when I'm pretty frantic for something and I ask, I get nothing. Mm-hmm. And he waits until I'm calm Mm -hmm. and I'm not particularly troubled by it. Mm -hmm. And then the answer comes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's the lesson in that, that he's wanting to? That that he can't, he literally can't access our brains in the way that he Uh, needs to. A stressed out mind. Because we're stressed out. Yeah. I guess part of that here, he says uh, when he asks for us, uh, to where it is it may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the father so when you're in those situations to have the patience to know that uh okay it's coming and i can wait and the endurance to wait till it comes and to be able to thank god for it even before it comes yes yeah i guess that's what we call the faith walk and the faith journey I went to uh, I went to a broken engagement, and it's, it took me about a year to really get over that um, situation because it also happened in some tragic family circumstances as well. And I got hold of this book. I don't know where I got it. If I I bought it somewhere, obviously I I, I can't remember. 
but it dramatically changed my view even though it didn't fix my heart. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it was called God Works the Night Shift. I don't know if you've heard of that book, but it's written back in the 90s and it's full of stories and anecdotes. And But basically, I mean, each chapter he talks about how while we're, you know, carrying on with the circumstances of our lives and we're asking God for direction and we're, we're doing all these things, uh, God has uh, is working the night shift, right? He's working overtime to set things up for us in ways that we just can't even see. Uh-huh. So sometimes it takes just pouring yourself out to him, you know, for ages for God to bring about all of those things. And I had to make some enormous decisions. Then I ended up leaving law school. I switched to theology. Then I, the next year I moved back to Melbourne and I worked for a year. I was still asking God. Uh, and then I ended up moving to America. So Going through that broken engagement was the first step in undoing or a, a whole series of painful steps that I had to take. But even though I had to take all those painful steps, you know, it ended up leading me to America and, and to this man. And so that took several years to happen. Um, I don't know, for me that was one of my most dramatic examples. But... Uh, you know, there was another time when during that year when I was sitting uh, in my car, my old Volvo outside my parents' home, and it was a really windy, windy night. And the gum trees, these enormous gum trees, was like, you're going in the breeze like this. And and <clears throat> I'd just come back from uh, being at a prayer meeting, a religious meeting, and... I just sat there in my car and I, I was like uh, saying, God, I just don't know what you want me to do, but I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do if you just show me. And uh, I, I said that and immediately this word popped into my head. And you know what that word was? What? And Tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> that word was Andrews. And I didn't even know it was in um I didn't know it was an Adventist school. Like I just knew nothing about it. But I came to California and I couldn't figure out why God kept directing me to California. And then when I got here, I kept fighting it. I kept trying to go to Andrews. But I feel like God put that in my mind because then it was another series of steps, coming to California, doing my master's at Fuller, and then it was another seven or eight years before I actually even got to Andrews. Like, oh, if only I could go to Andrews, you know, and I put this thing up in my mind and, uh, you know, discovered... Anyway, I don't want to tell my, my life story for you with my life story. But, um, you know, God has spoken to me very quickly and dramatically. 
but there's also been very long periods of what felt like silence where I had to deal with grief and hurt and pain and work through all of that and just keep believing, just keep mm-hmm. trusting uh, and not giving up. And it's those through those long times of, of feeling like, where are you, God, that, that now I know I can just trust him. Mm-hmm. I can just trust him. That book, uh, The God Works the Night Shift, that, that reminded me, there was a, a pastor, I don't remember who it was, but I was having a conversation with him years ago, uh, and we were talking about the significance of how the day starts, uh, you know, from Genesis 1, that the day started at evening at sundown, and then ended sundown, and and uh, as I recall, the person I was talking with actually was Baptist. One of the things that he was saying from that is that that he gets out of that is that that means that when I start my day in the morning and I get up, the day is already half done. I'm not I'm not saying okay, how is this day going to go? Whatever God's been working all night uh, already, and I'm getting up, and now I'm. Just kind of joining in with what he's been doing already for the first half of the day, and that that gives him a whole different perspective of you know, how to go about. It. I'm not starting something fresh. I'm joining something that's already in progress. And so that while that doesn't directly apply to the verses here, the, that book reminded me uh, of that point, and I remember thinking that that was very profound uh, at the time, and I, I still really like that perspective of it. I love that. I'm joining something already in progress. Mm-hmm. That also gives and maybe me- that's maybe that's the whole thing of like how Jesus would you know pray all night long. Yeah, maybe, that, maybe I don't that's, understand. Maybe that's um, where we accept His prayers for us, knowing right. that we can't do that. That's why He gave us a night so we can sleep. And maybe that's the faith part. Okay, I'm accepting that Jesus prayed for me throughout the night, so I don't have to do that. That's not the work I have to do. I have to wake up to join that pro- the, what he's already done through the night. Waking up to a day already half gone mm-hmm. can remind us that, that what we have is very important and to use our time wisely. I mean, if if we were just beginning the day, we could, and, and I, a lot of our students do this, <laughs> they uh, work all night, and then they sleep during the day and can't make it to class. I shouldn't say a lot of our students, but some of our some. students. I, I have a classic example of that this quarter. Poor guy's isolated and has no one around to talk to, and his schedule's just gotten completely flipped. And so he wasn't doing well. I was able to get him some help. Anyway, um, to me, it just makes means that I'm only a piece of God's world and God's plan. And therefore, I should, I should take that with me through the day so that I use my time to the best advantage for him. I like verse 12. He made it so that you could take part in the inheritance in light granted to God's holy people. That's the inheritance of the light granted to God's people. My version says, who has qualified you. Hmm. 
So instead of made it, <laughs> he has qualified you. Yeah. What version right. is that? Good ideas, man. The one that you said you like. Oh, that's the one based on the... NIV. It's the New Andrew Study Bible NIV. Yeah. Mine says he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. So enabled you to share. I like the word qualify, though. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if the Greek word means all of that. Made, made you to, enabled you to, and qualified you to. Yeah, I mean, qualified could mean one of two things. One could mean I've got a standard and I just check and say, okay, well, I'm sorry, you, you missed out in this category. You can't come in. But there's an active version of that as well into to make someone qualified to be able to get in uh, to meet the standard. Um, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies mm -hmm. the Right? Mm -hmm. Truism. Well, it goes back to that whole thing of God doing the work for us and so we get to join him mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. read, uh, verse 13 talks about that. He rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He set us free through the son and forgave our sins. Yeah, and that's all him doing that. Right. Sorry, Katrina. I, what were you going um, to say? I was just going to say that, you know, being a Christian is the most exciting life you could live. I tell that to my students, you know, especially when you give your life to Christ when you're young, you know, you can just be Life's free. never boring. Follow him, yes, yes. And he never disappoints. We, I mean, we might go through disappointments, but he holds us through it all and then promises the most wonderful uh, heaven at the end. There couldn't be anything more wonderful than being a Christ follower. But even if there wasn't a heaven at the end, just as far as the impact it has on this life, uh -huh. would make it by far the better way to go. And one thing that I particularly liked out of this whole passage was when, um, it, right at the beginning, when he actually, as far as the purpose for why he wants us to have the spiritual wisdom and understanding was in order to be able to uh, lead a life worthy of the Lord, which, oh, and fully pleasing to him. And then he goes on to kind of explain what that is, saying it's bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It's in, in one of the versions it talks about it as being the fruit of the Spirit through there. And I, I wish that we as a denomination and as, as Christianity in general, that we spent more time being concerned about, if we were going to concern about anything, it would be having the, the, the fruit of the spirit as opposed to the gifts of the spirit, or, you know, it's not what we get. It's what we're able to use them to do. And the, the way, and it seems to be that it boils down to ultimately how we treat people that I wish that we were more concerned about that and that how we interacted, that it always came from a, a, a position of love and, and truly wanting what's best for that person. And unfortunately that so often isn't the case. You know, we get more dog, you know, more um, involved with one trying to prove our particular view of one point of doctrine 
And if that involves, to prove I'm right, if that in, involves destroying you, well, then you just got in my way. Yeah, you're bad. <laughs> yeah, that just, yeah. And, that, and, and anybody who disagrees with me is evil and you ascribe the worst possible uh, motivations uh, behind them. And that, you know, somehow we need to get back to that it, people first, doctrine second. And that doesn't mean doctrine's not important, but if doctrine is being used as a weapon, that was not how it was ever intended to be. Yeah. Well, we didn't get very far today, but it was a meaty passage. And I'm, I'm reluctant to go forward because our time is pretty much gone. And I would like to be able to give the whole time to mm -hmm. what is because that is that is a loaded passage and it has its mm -hmm. own topic. Yeah. One thing I was going to say though is everything we've talked about as far as being directed by God and 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 the impressions that we get and learning all this. I say that now, like as a forty-eight-year-old. <laughs> And it's like, man, I, I like, I wish, like, like having learned that younger, or I don't know, and or or, when, or wishing that for my kids, but then realizing they have to go through this journey, they have to do it themselves, and um, is wisdom only in hindsight, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and um, or it, it, will there ever be a time when they actually match together? Um, I mean, I'm so grateful for that. I mean, I'm grateful for where I am at now. But again, it's not something I can give to my kids. And that's really interesting, this whole thing of wisdom and understanding and maturity as a person and our journeys. I guess it's just beautiful to see how gracious and God is to us, and he just loves us through it all. He's patient. He's very patient. He's so amazing. And I guess that's why he says, may you be filled with joy and thanking the Father. And just keep doing that. And trusting, believing, having faith, all of that. It's hard to explain the Christian walk, I think, sometimes, because it's so personal. Um, and like you said, David, it's like about getting back to just loving each other instead of feeling like you're right or having to defend our rightness. It's not about that. And I don't know how in the world I, we can't get the church back to where it needs to be. Well, has it ever been? Back to what? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't, I don't even know how God can get that trajectory of fault-finding and rightness and self-righteousness and, and all of that. I mean, you think of the Laodicean message, <laughs> that all God can do is spew this out of his mouth mm -hmm. on that trajectory. And spewing us out of his mouth means we're no longer his witnesses. He no longer accepts us as telling anything about him that is reliable information. 
And that's when, to me, the Laodicean message ends so powerfully. I Look, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone opens the door, anyone. Anyone, exactly. Not Laodicea, not Philadelphia, not uh, Sardis, not just if anyone opens the door. And it makes me wonder if God is going to do church in the future differently than he has in the past. That's a scary thought for me, having been raised in the dogma of the Adventist church going through to the end, you know. And then maybe it will in some form, but the way God deals with church, or way, the way God, is God going to start using people who are willing, who are listening, who are not self-righteous, who are humble? Is he going to start using them in amazing ways? And, and in a way, this COVID virus has broken up church. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, remember, I was surprised when a, uh, a professor at Andrews in the seminary uh, just came out and said one day years ago, yeah, the whole structure of the church is going to have to collapse before God can really do the real work he's going to do just before his coming. Um, wow. I was just thinking of the same thing. I wasn't going to, although he was so public about it, he probably wouldn't mind, but nonetheless. Okay. I won't ask them. I mean, it makes sense because... Well, our um, structure has gotten in the way. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that things have to collapse. <laughs> All you have to do is go into the theology department and look at the bulletin board with that massive document put out by the North American Division of all the things we're supposed to be ingrating in, into our, our pastors. Um, it, it's just overwhelming. And I helped participate in making it. You know, I was, <laughs> uh, It's like, when are we going to let the Spirit breathe through us? Mm-hmm and take charge so that he can do his work in and through us. Well, why don't we have prayer now? Gracious Father, when we look at the life of Paul and see how much it backs his message, it makes us want to live that life, the life that he so carefully outlines for us, of doing your will, of of letting you work in us through your spirit, of uh, empowering us, of uh, imbuing us with your love. We pray that we may always keep our eyes open to know you better, to follow you more, but most of all, to recognize that you are the one uh, doing everything in a sense, and that we participate, we do make decisions, we have choice, we have freedom, but that you are always with us to um, empower us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.